this passage this week really really impacted me and um i just would love to do a little what they call an exegesis a little deep dive it's super powerful it actually made me cry this really spoke to me on another sabbath jesus went into the synagogue and was teaching and a man was there whose right hand was shriveled the pharisees and the teachers of the law boo were looking for a reason to accuse jesus so they watched him closely to see if he would heal on the sabbath naughty jesus healing on a sunday and he said to the man with his shriveled hand get up and stand in front of everybody so he got up and stood there then jesus said to them I ask you, which is lawful on the Sabbath, to do good or to do evil, to save life or to destroy it? He looked around at them all and then said to the man, stretch out your hand. He did so and his hand was completely restored. But the, oh man, flipping Pharisees. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law were furious and began to discuss with one, discuss with one another what they might do to Jesus. What is going on here? So, he wants to make the point that keeping the rules of tradition and keeping the rules of the Sabbath are not more important than healing and helping people. And you can see from the inference in this passage from Luke that the Pharisees are completely lost sight of the fact what the Sabbath is for. <laughs> They're cross because a man got healed, they're wound up because he healed a man on the sabbath they're not really happy because the man got his probably his livelihood back definitely the use of his hand he was you know there wasn't um unemployment benefit in those days if you was out of work you did not eat you were begging in the temple courts this guy gets his life back i don't have a massive high regard for convention and conventionality it, it's not something that really speaks to me it doesn't matter to me as much and then there's people who really love conventionality and form and structure and i honestly honor and respect that but it just doesn't really come naturally to me maybe you're like that in here but what's the big deal with the sabbath well the sabbath was a part of the of the covenant of moses that, that god made with moses about keeping the sabbath holy and it so on first glance here it looks like jesus is actually breaking god's law you know, why would Jesus heal on the Sabbath? Why would he be so contentious and heal on the Sabbath? Why would he not wait until tomorrow and say to the guy, come back, you know, at 12.01 on a Monday and I'll heal you on a Monday? Because Jesus is making a point about the Sabbath. So Jesus is actually in this moment and in this couple of instances, you'll see if you read Luke 6, he does something else. He picks some grain on the Sabbath and he eats grain. He's not supposed to do that either. And he's basically saying to the Pharisees and to everybody who's watching, I didn't come to break the law. I've come to fulfill the law. Which means now that I've come, I fulfilled the old covenant. Right? Which sounds great. It's like brilliant. So what does that mean? Now I, I am here. I am, the, I am the Messiah. I am the Christ. You now no longer have to obey all those old covenantal obligations you don't have to sacrifice lambs every more anymore you don't have to i'm doing away with the old way of doing things i'm bringing brand some brand new things in which if you think about it for us we live in the new covenant it's really really exciting but for the pharisees they are fully invested in the old way of doing things they've spent 30 years many of them in rabbinical school 
their mortgages, their their whole finances, their income, their status, their power structures are all invested in the old way of doing things. And if they acknowledge that Jesus can heal on the Sabbath, they're actually saying, you are the Messiah. So it's a problem for them. I don't know if you've ever been in a situation like this where liberty for you personally or freedom for you personally or a breakthrough in God for you personally is a big problem for somebody else in your life who's invested in the old way of doing things. Have you ever been in a job or an employment where you've had an idea, you've brought it to your boss and your boss don't really want to know about it because it means it's a better idea than he's had or she's had and now if, if you bring it to them and now you're 50-50, you're like, do I go over his head? Do I go over their head? Do I disrupt the power structures and offer an alternative to a problem that needs fixing and mess with the power structures? Right, that's what's going on here. Jesus is just... <laughs> he just messes with things. But the reason he messes with things is because it's not just about winding the Pharisees up. It's because it's it's now breaking out the sound and the message of the gospel from the Jewish people into all the people who the Jewish people think don't deserve it anymore. If Jesus hadn't done things like this, if Jesus hadn't arrested traditions and disrupted these pharisaical things and, and fulfilled the law of Moses, we wouldn't be sat here today. We wouldn't be able to experience the grace of God because because the Pharisees, he would have they would have shut down the message of the gospel. Does that make sense? It's a big deal because some of the resistances that Jesus faced, he needed to be brutal. He needed to be really aggressive to overcome because people's lives are at stake. You and I are going to face forces that are invested in their own power structure more than they are in your healing and personal benefit. Flip side of that is because we have Jesus inside of us, we also have now the power to stand against some of those authorities that would seek to rob people of the freedom that Jesus died to give them. It's not enough for us to just receive the freedom and the grace and the love of God and say, thank you, Jesus. Our responsibility before God is to oppose and to dismantle things that stop other people receiving it as well. So Jesus isn't breaking the law here. He came to fulfill the law. Jesus is bringing the new covenant. The new covenant, there's like, I think there's about 10 covenants, which are basically really strong, special promises that God makes with people in the Bible. And Jesus has fulfilled the Old Testament law that required a sacrifice, a perfect sacrifice for our sins. And Jesus has become the Lamb of God and allowed himself to be crucified for our sins. And now we can stand boldly before the throne of God and ask him for anything that we need because of Jesus' death and resurrection. We can come for our healing. We can come for provision. We can come for anything that we need and boldly come like we are doing this morning in a cinema. We don't need to be in a synagogue or in a traditional church in that way. How do I know really what's the difference between tradition and what's God's laws? God's laws and I want to make a distinction between those things, those things and, and, and help us unpack and, and find our way through helpful traditions that need to be upheld. God's laws that must be honoured but also some unhelpful traditions can stop people receiving the healer that Jesus wants to give them. When we think of the people who oppose us or we people who think of the people who've done us wrong, we love to paint them out to be so evil and so misguided that they're beyond redemption. We love our enemies to be really evil. And the reality are, if they're human, 
there's all kinds of, of complexity to a human person, isn't there? We're not just 100% evil or 100% good. There's a lot going on for all of us. <laughs> Our traditions, though, can stop people receiving the healing that Jesus wants to give them. And I think at the minute in church, at the minute, what we're seeing is like a reformation, if we do it right, of those traditions don't work anymore. We need some new traditions or we need some, way, some new ways of accessing the new covenant that Jesus died to give us. Maybe that's how things have been in the church or maybe that's how things have been in your life, but that's not necessarily how they should be. And what Jesus comes to give us is a way forward and say, yeah, it's not enough that you keep the traditions. I've come to give you life in all its fullness. So how do we know? In fact, what we'll do is we'll look at some great examples of um, disruptors in history who basically changed each tradition that was going on in society at the time. And I want you to see the difference. And then we're going to look at what should we do as Christians in our everyday life to live in this new covenant? So would you mind, Steph, putting up the slide and see if you recognize any of these legends? Uh, so I'll start over here with Martin Luther. There was a tradition in the church at the time of Martin Luther where only priests could read the Bible and they read it in Latin. And so it meant that not everyone could read the Bible. Nobody had a Bible for themselves and they couldn't understand it even if they did. So what Martin Luther contended for together with the printing presses was let's get everybody Bible literate. Can you imagine who might be opposed to that idea? <laughs> the priests and the people in the power structures who didn't actually want people to read the Bible because they might have their own ideas. He, he spent his life because he believed in the accessibility of scripture and the priesthood of all believers so that we could all read scripture for ourselves and know Christ in our own hearts. He was chased for the rest of his life. He hid in a castle. He was under the protectorate of, uh, of um, somebody in Saxony, I think it was. It cost him to do that. But the freedom that that brought because of how he read scripture and how he, he helped us to interact with it means that we now are living this freedom to be able to He's a disruptor of a tradition that didn't belong in scripture, but there was something that needed disrupting. Harriet Tubman. Oh, she's amazing. I'm going to read about Harriet Tubman. I just get really emotional about Harriet Tubman. Was an escaped enslaved woman who became a conductor on the Underground Railroad. Anybody heard of the Underground Railroad? If you're a free Methodist, you've got to hear about the Underground Railroad. No? Okay, the Underground Railroad was a secret kind of back alley passageway that southern slaves were guided through into the north into the freedom of of the north of america right but it was ultra dangerous it was absolutely feral it was like a kidnapping basically and she was one of the conductors when she escaped she went back to help other people get free if that's not the gospel i don't know what is leading enslaved people to freedom before the Civil War, all the while carrying a bounty on her head. But she was also a nurse, a spy, and a women's suffrage supporter. Tubman is one of the most recognized icons in American history. I think she's just been on the $50 bill. And her legacy has inspired countless people from every race and background. It's believed that Harriet personally led at least 70 enslaved people to freedom. Check this out, including her own parents. She was a G, man. Honestly, absolutely incredible woman. Encourage you to do a deep dive on Harriet Tubman. John Wesley was so concerned by the plight of the poor at his time that he forsook a tradition, which was he left the pulpit of the Church of England. He basically, like, 
the church said you only preach the word of God in the pulpit. If you've ever been to a Church of England church, you sometimes you see those golden eagles. Those pulpits were sacred places to the Anglicans. And he is he was an Anglican. He actually never left the Anglican church, even though he started the Methodist church. <laughs> Amazing guy. Never wanted to leave the Church of England. Had to defy a tradition of preaching on holy ground to go and reach people in pits and in fields and in mines. And brought about one of the greatest social and economic revivals that this country has ever seen. I have to break a tradition. It's not biblical. It's just a tradition. I have to go and where the people are at. And so where the people are at, he brought social and economic change. He brought, um, organized the Methodist church, came up off the back of, we've got so many people being saved. We need to actually create a movement to help people connect with Jesus and discipleship. So many times in our life, what God wants to do next is at the other side of disruption from a tradition that you've been involved in before. It's disruptive following Jesus, and it's fine. It's part of the course. Martin Luther King, my dad brought me up on Martin Luther King. Every man of humane convictions must decide on the protest that best suits his convictions. But we must all protest. One of the things that I'm seeing in church at the minute, which is which is good, is there's an awareness of social issues or there's awareness of justice issues or people are being called out in some sort of leadership circles for some of their behaviour. To me, it's a good start. It's part of the problem it's, and it needs talking about. But really, until we start solving problems and fixing them and bringing solutions, we've only really done half the job. You can protest something and say something's wrong, but you have to offer an alternative of what could else could be, right? That's really the beauty of the gospel, is this sucks. This kind of narcissistic leadership template sucks. Great, go on social media, shoot your shot, brilliant. But offer an alternative, show me what else it could be, paint me a picture, right? And this is what these guys have all done, and, and I believe as Christians we must do, is what else could I see and what Jesus does is he disrupts the old and brings in the new that's the gospel it's not just disrupting the old for the sake of it it's and here's something that's much better by the way a healthy church a whole church or an answer to problems of, of poverty or slavery or an answer to human trafficking or, or, or some a pathway out for people that's one of the things that churches must continue to do and then one of my personal favorites Dietrich Bonhoeffer Anybody heard of Dietrich Bonhoeffer? I really encourage you to read. He only, I think he only wrote one book. He only needed to write one book. It's unbelievable. He was a Protestant leader in the Church of Germany. He actually fled to New York because Hitler was in the rise in Germany. And Hitler had corrupted the church. And Hitler said, basically I'll summarize, Hitler didn't like lots of the Bible so he wrote his own bible he cut bits out about you know god being sovereign and stuff because <laughs> it's a problem like it is for the pharisees it's a problem if god exists for hitler or for stalin or for putin or whoever because it's a problem because now there's some greater authority to whom I must give account. But if we tell people there is no greater authority, I am the Fuhrer, I am the Tsar, I am whoever, then you don't have to worry about that. And people like Dietrich Bonhoeffer and his guy called Karl Barth was part of what they called the Confessing Church who wrote a declaration. I, it's amazing. It's no Hitler, 
you can't have the church it doesn't belong to you <laughs> it belongs to god <laughs> you're not in charge and they basically write a, a de declaration of all the theological reasons why hitler you're not the boss of the church now it's easy to write a piece of paper and it's easy to post something on social media but what people like dietrich bonhoeffer did at the exhortation of his mentors was he said what are you going to do about it you need to come back from new york and fix this and he said this we are not to simply bandage the wounds of victims beneath the wheels of injustice we are to drive a spoke into the wheels itself <laughs> and if you're like me you're a fidget I used to get called gobby at school. You know what gobby is? It just means mouthy. If you up, if you're bothered by something, if you're vexed, if you've got a cause, if you've got a complaint, the church is the place for that. It might not be a place where the church understands what to do with that next, but but don't get so safe. Don't get so flipping Christian that you don't allow that you miss the moment of what God wants to do in you and through you. What I'm trying to paint a picture with these people is. They brought a uncomfortable reformation to traditions and assumptions that really needed to be messed with. We've got some assumptions in society and assumptions in church right now that really need to be messed with. And maybe some of us in this room are going to offer people solutions and ways through and out of some of those traditions that have been unhelpful. Women in leadership, church being a building, prayer being really boring, the Bible being inaccessible. It can be any kind of tradition you can think of. Have you got a vision and a passion for something that God has given you to help people with? We are not to simply bandage the wounds of victims beneath the wheels of injustice. We are to drive a spoke into the wheel itself. We're going me you've got to mess with things. If Jesus messed with it, you can mess with it. And it might not be a big mess. It might not be a feisty mess. It might not be a big splash. But we have to start actively doing things about dismantling power structures that keep people away from Jesus. Back in the day, I had a, a friend who loves conferences. He loves all the churchy things. Conferences, lights, all of it. Just, just loves it, right? And he said, do you not love it? I said, I only love it if it's fit for purpose. <laughs> if it helps people connect with Jesus, I love it. If it doesn't, I don't. Like, I can't become so interested in any of this stuff. I'm so invested in this model that if Jesus says it doesn't work anymore, it doesn't work anymore. I have to, We have to be able to surrender what doesn't work anymore. That's when revival and renewal really comes in my own life. I was realized I was praying like a Christian leader. I'm behaving like, a, I told you guys, I dressed like a traditional evangelical. I'd look down one time, I was talking about, like, worship culture and I looked down and I had skinny jeans and Chelsea boots and a denim jacket I was like how did I get here and there's nothing wrong with any of those things but what it was for me was I've conformed to a culture that I'm actually here to help like bring the life of Jesus in like I'm supposed to be a bit different we're supposed to not look exactly the same I don't know what else there is all I know is skinny jeans and I discovered chinos Claire was like, ooh, look at you. And I'm like, I know. I actually can't feel anything against my skin. I don't even know. She said, you've been basically wearing tights for five years. That's why. Anything that disrupts. But my point is, that's where change happens. And God wants to bring change. But we can't have change and things exactly the same. So, 
If Jesus is messing with it in your life, if Jesus is causing you to question things, if there's things that you are questioning, if there's things you think that don't look right, that feels a bit weird. I reckon we could do better. I want you to lean into it. We need people, reformers in all parts of society. I reckon we could do better with HR in this company. Yeah, you're probably right. How could you fix that? I reckon we, you know, some of our health and safety policies suck, man. I, I just, look at that. That's absolutely wild. Lean into it. Treatment of people in the workplace, lean into it. Homelessness in society, lean into it. My thing is the liberation of people and helping people coach to become all that they could possibly be and all that God's made them to be. Whenever people make a step, oh, Will's been putting some banging reels out recently. Every time he posts these reels, I cry. Because he's my, I, 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 honestly, it sounds bizarre, doesn't it? Because they're not like super emotional. But what I love is, Will is making those steps towards something that he's actually really good at, that actually he's been told he's not very good at, which is like, oh, yeah, you want to bet? Because he is. It just doesn't fit in with your way of speaking. People will be helped and healed and delivered because of the reformation that we make in our own life. And when we honour God's commandments over our own human traditions, he will increase his kingdom in our life. So what should we do? Number one, we hold on to the commandments and the covenants of Jesus. If God gave it as a commandment and a covenant, we don't forsake it. It's life-giving. Anything God gives us the law as a covenant is life-giving. It's going to save your life. Forgiving your enemies, Jesus commands it. Why? It's going to save your life. Teach other people to do it. We reform some traditions that can help us connect with Jesus, but I've become weird or unhelpful. When I was seven years old, I was buzzing because I won a Bible in a Cub Scout competition. I flipping love competitions. I won a Bible. I got a Bible home. It was in the King James translation. I'm seven. I'm trying to read the word of God. And so be it unto you, O sovereign Lord. And I'm like, Dad, I don't even know what this is. What have they given me? What is the point of this? And I wanted to go up to the guy eight, at seven. I remember thinking, I need to speak to this guy. What are you doing? I can't read this. Neither can any of my friends. That's what I've been doing since I was seven years of age. I know it's not just me. There's tons of people who would love to engage with the word of God, but they don't know how. Hence us getting involved with glorifying lots of other things. We reform some traditions. The Bible is good, but if we keep handing people New King James, if we don't teach people biblical literacy, then we're actually saying, here's the answer. But you probably won't understand it. How cruel is that? Proper cruel, I'm telling you. They've become weird and unhelpful. Worship can be a bit weird. Prayer can be a bit weird. Let's de-weird it. Because it's a it just needs reformation. Let's talk about it. And then some traditions are not fit for purpose. I remember my history lesson the other day. Papal indulgences. Anybody remember them? Probably not in Thornton. Do you remember them growing up? No. <laughs> Papal indulgences, check this out. This is a legitimate thing in the Middle Ages. We're going to bring the bones of old saints to your village. They will allow you to touch for a small fee. And when you touch the bones of your old saints and pray to God, maybe he will allow your relatives to flee from purgatory. People are going to go, I'm terrified of going to hell. I really want my parents, so I'm going to pay you money. And... People like Martin Luther King, Martin Luther. You don't have to be called Martin or Luther, by the way, to be a Reformation. <laughs> you can have your own name. <laughs> My point is, we have to arrest these traditions 
that are unhelpful. I want you to, if you are, if you are a thoughtful person, if you are, if you stand in churches, if you are around Christian culture, if you're in society, and you see what is keeping my friends from receiving this gospel message, ask the Holy Spirit to give you an answer and start wrestling with the problem of let's be problem solvers for people who don't know Jesus yet. How can we connect them? How can we move religious furniture out of the way so people can see Jesus? Does that make sense? All right, let's stop there. Jesus, thank you so much that you liberated us back in the day from unhelpful traditions. And I pray that we would be bold and courageous people who are mad in love with you to the point that we can disrupt and agitate things that need disruption and agitation. I pray where we need healing from the things that have like kept us from you in the past, that you'd help us and heal us from that. And I really pray today that you'd help us to be a bold church that's really true and simple and easy to connect with you when people come here. Um, may we be just not two-faced people, just honest people. And may we find it easy to connect with you and dismantle things in society that stop people meeting with you, God. Help us to build well as well. Amen.